0: for fighters. It's not a time for cowards too scared of what they say about you on Twitter or anywhere else. It's a time for fighters to stand up for these common sense values, particularly in the protection of the interests of our children. And if you don't stand up, you're not much of a parliamentarian.
1: That of course was the indomitable Mark Latham, the leader of the One Nation Party in the New South Wales Parliament. And he's dead right. This is a time for fighters. This is a time when we all need good people to stand up. We can't just leave it to the Mark Lathams of this world. Hello and welcome. This is The Lyle Shelton Show. I'm coming to you from the Good Source studio at Logan in Queensland. You can access this show on the World Wide Web at GoodSource.news. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, at least while we fly under the radar of the tech oligarchs. And we're also on all your favourite audio podcasting platforms. Coming up, I'm going to walk you through a shocking decision of the Queensland Supreme Court relating to a 12-year-old boy who is wanting to change his body so that he can live as a girl. It's one thing if adults want to do these things to their bodies, but should we be experimenting on children? We'll take a look at the shocking attempt by the mainstream media to cancel the acting Prime Minister, Michael McCormack. That ran all last week. I'll be And speaking of cancel culture, have you ever been zucked? I have. I'll reveal what Mark Zuckerberg's fact-checkers did to my Facebook page when I posted some commentary about the impeachment of Donald J. Trump. Well, it's a big show today, focusing on the biggest threats to freedom of speech and the well-being of children. But first, let's return to my interview with Mark Latham. News broke at the weekend that he is to lead a parliamentary inquiry into gender-fluid and other politically correct programs in schools. Make no mistake. The fight back against the wrong that was done when Australians were duped into supporting the degendering of marriage has begun. I spoke with Mark Latham from his home in Western Sydney earlier this week. Mark, welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show. Thanks very much, Lyle. It's uh, good to be on your show and all the best for 2021. Thank you, Mark, and and same to you. Um, Mark, you've started 2021 with a real bang, with news breaking over the weekend of Uh, an inquiry, a parliamentary inquiry into your education amendment, parental rights bill. Tell us uh, what's behind this bill and uh, what's motivated you to bring it forward and what you hope to achieve through the inquiry.
0: Well, I get a lot of um, feedback, a lot of material sent to me by parents right around New South Wales saying that they have so little involvement in the development of curriculum, what's taught in the classroom for their children. And very often their children come home and say, um, you know, we did uh, English today, uh, mum and dad, but it was gender studies. Or we did some other subject and it was looking at Black Lives Matter. Or even worse, uh, reports that um, uh, there are various uh, classroom events that study gender fluidity to try and convince uh, um, uh, high school students in particular that uh, if you're a boy, you can be a girl tomorrow and change back to be a boy anytime you like. So these are very dangerous practices. I don't see how they uh, relate to proper schooling, the attainment of academic and vocational qualifications, and they intrude on the morals and the ethical teaching of families. So my parental rights bill uh, tries to correct this in, in three different ways. The first is to ensure that parents are fully consulted about the development of what's taught in the classroom. For the year ahead uh, that's at the beginning of every school year secondly that if a parent is not comfortable with uh, what's in a course what's going to be taught they have a legal right to take their child out of that classroom and thirdly um, to ensure that um, uh, when gender is referred to in schools it's on the basis of biological science not this left-wing nonsense that gender is socially constructed that the only reason a six or seven-year-old boy thinks he's male is that he um, was dressed in blue and played with honker trucks or a girl thinks she's female because she was dressed in pink and uh, was given Barbie dolls at Christmas time. So, you know, um, a lot
1: lot of parents have been very concerned about this gender fluid ideology for a long time since the so-called Safe Schools program came on the radar about five or six years ago why is a i think a lot of my viewers would be wondering why is a new south wales coalition liberal national party coalition government entertaining this sort of gender fluid teaching uh in their schools
0: well the uh, government here under uh, mike baird notionally got rid of safe schools but this is an ideology lyle it's an ideology pushed by left-wing people in the education system uh particularly in our universities it's um always creeping back into the schools. And sometimes Liberal Ministers here in New South Wales haven't had full control of what's happening in the school system. So you can say one thing about safe schools, but if teachers are being instructed to teach uh, gender fluidity, if they're doing it under different names and banners, and some of this stuff is quite frightening, then um, uh, you've got gender fluidity in the classroom. So this is why uh, I'm, I'm moving and hoping to carry this parental rights bill to make it a law that acts on the safe schools decision that this won't be happening in the future.
1: Yeah, it seems incomprehensible that a conservative government can't act. Um, But uh, And I know your bill is wider than just the gender fluid stuff, but just coming back to that again, um, because I know it concerns a lot of parents. And last month we saw a judgment from the United Kingdom High Court uh, regarding the Tavistock gender center over there. I presume you're aware of that judgment, a 23-year-old woman by the name of Kira Bell, who was uh, given puberty blockers at about 15 or 16, then went on to have a double mastectomy. So the the UK High Court has said that children are are not competent um, to be able to make an informed decision about these sort of controversial treatments. Yet we've got this gender fluid ideology being pushed, not just in New South Wales schools, but here in Queensland, right around the, the country, isn't this getting to the stage where it's actually dangerous and, and demonstrable harm is now being um, exposed uh, as having been caused to children? Well,
0: absolutely. It's a form of child abuse. So uh, That's what the evidence shows. And uh, we've got a system where people can't vote till they're 18, people can't drive a car basically until you're 17 years of age, but you've got um, activists advocating that uh, a child they'll um, say as young as five or six a child starting high school a bit older than uh, right through to adulthood that those children have the right to change their gender um, regardless of the wishes of their parents now this does cause enormous harm uh, it causes confusion uh, there's a whole pattern of uh, the young people regretting this wanting to change back I mean adolescence can be a confusing time and it's not the occasion on which to be making a, a life-changing definitive decision about are you male or female but to have that pushed in the schools is particularly dangerous um, Lyle um, and, and look you know you, there's um, been examples in New South Wales that are horrifying if I can give a couple of them that uh, to do with where at purple day last year the Department of Education sent gender fluidity guides out to 70,000 teachers including uh, uh, guides of um, how to do penis tucking and breast binding, this sort of nonsense. Who's your and education
1: the... minister down there? Who, who's the Liberal Education Minister? Well, it's
0: Mitchell. Sarah Mitchell, and to her credit, I raise these problems. Um, and and um, particularly in the professional development area, there's um, been uh, groups that have had professional development accreditation in New South Wales that have been using um, a private Facebook, pages and hiding material behind internet um, uh, internet pages to run courses to, mm. saying to teachers, look, here's about seven or different ways under the curriculum, the existing curriculum, that you can teach gender fluidity. And to her credit, Sarah Mitchell has uh, gotten rid of those professional development courses. So, but it's hard going, Lyle. This is a big ideology. A lot of people in the public service, a lot of people in the education bureaucracies, a lot of teachers believe in it. And that's why we need a law to stop it. It's not just sufficient for a member of parliament and a minister to police this case by case. We've got to uh, outlaw this stuff across the board.
1: Do you think there'll be an appetite to support your bill then from the, uh, the coalition government?
0: Well, you'd imagine that uh, any sensible politician would be in favour of parental rights. Uh, they'd want parents to be consulted about what's being taught in the uh, classrooms of their children for the year ahead. That they would want parents to have the right to say that If family values are not reflected in what's being taught, they can take their kids out of those classes and courses. And you'd imagine, oh, we hear all this talk about follow the science, follow the science. Well, what's wrong with following the science of biology, the Mm -hmm. stuff that's actually in the textbooks in schools, the biological notion that with very few exceptions, people are born either male or female. There's no evidence that gender is socially constructed. This is a postmodernist left-wing ideology inflicted upon young people um, to cause damage to them, and you'd imagine a coalition government should have the common sense to say no to it.
1: Well, let's hope they do, and obviously your inquiry is going to help shine further light on this. I noticed in the media reports at the weekend that a group called Equality Australia was quite, um, and I'm going to use the word, viciously opposing you, because they accused you of trying to uh, in, um, imply that you know children with gender issues didn't exist, That almost like you had some pernicious thing against these poor children and wanted them not to have any help. And I note that Equality Australia is, it's the rebranded version of the YES campaign that ran the same-sex marriage plebiscite in 2017. This is the same people who told us there would be no indoctrination of children into radical gender ideology, that everyone's freedoms would be unaffected by the change to same-sex marriage. Yet here they are providing the main opposition to your bill um, about uh, parents' rights.
0: Well, Equality Australia is not an evidence based organisation. They're an historical, they're an hysterical uh, propaganda unit that um, uh, acts in a way that, um, uh, you know, just uh, attacks people, misrepresents. The truth is, in my bill, uh, there's no loss of rights for a, a transgender student, mm. uh, in that, uh, those students who are in a school uh, would be entitled to different services and a, and a good education as much as any other student yeah. what my bill tries to stop is whether it's in the counseling sessions or in a classroom or any other part of the school professional development training of teachers they're not to be pushing upon students the notion the gender is socially constructed that you can change it every other day if you like this is a confusing and dangerous doctrine to be pushing upon young children and that's the thing that um uh, that's the thing that um i think should be outlawed
1: yeah, and, and I think you know you and I called this out during the same-sex marriage campaign. We said that if you de-gender marriage, uh, the indoctrination of children would be a consequence, and we're seeing this writ large. Do you think the Australian people were hoodwinked when they voted in favour of same-sex marriage, thinking they were just um, supporting a, a very minimal change to help their gay friends?
0: Well, yeah, I think a, a lot of parents in particular might have gay children, gay relatives, they thought it was an act of fairness, Mm. but there's uh, a lot of uh, detail there and uh, a lot of consequences that are playing out over time. Uh, There certainly is a push in our society to demonize uh, religious groups, to demonize religious rights, Equality Australia so-called as part of that. And um, I suppose what's happened is a lot of these groups, whether we're talking about transgender advocacy groups, or uh, groups that have morphed into a different format out of the marriage equality campaign, they've been emboldened. They've been emboldened to go further down the path of gender fluidity, of postmodernist ideology, of left wing indoctrination of children. And, and this is the sick thing. Wouldn't you just leave the kids alone? I mean, if adults want to make these decisions and whatever they believe in in life, well, you know, if you're over the age of 18, that's what we call democracy. But to be trying to indoctrinate children in schools is a sick, sick practice that must stop.
1: Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. Mark, um, your bill um, and, and the inquiry, it's, it's details of that are up on the New South Wales Parliament website. But uh, what can people do to help support your bill and, and the inquiry and, and to show their support for what you're doing? Because public opinion is going to really matter a lot in this
0: Yeah, well, naturally, we're after feedback from parents, so we know the groups we've been talking about will try and uh, flood in with their submissions, but parents out there in the suburbs and the regions worried about this, parents who find that um, their children come home and report very unusual things being taught in the classroom, or they don't know anything about what's being taught in the classroom, this is the chance to say, yes, we're in favour of the legal parental rights. And if you go to the New South Wales Parliament website and look up the Legislative Council Education Portfolio Committee that I chair, there's a chance to have your say, uh, to uh, write out uh, detailed submissions or uh, cast a vote. You know, There's a portal there where you can say, I support the bill or I support the bill with amendments or I oppose the bill and people should have their say. Parents have been silenced in the education system for too long. Here's a chance to have a say and I urge everyone to participate.
1: Fantastic, Mark, and we've got that link up on the screen, and uh, we'd encourage everyone to go to that, uh, cast a vote, and um, and really follow your work, Mark. Uh, thanks so much for you doing. I know so many parents uh, are grateful for your voice and and the courage. Um, just before I let you go, what sort of um, what what sort of toll does this have on you personally uh, when you put your head above the parapet on these controversial issues?
0: Oh well, I've got a pretty thick heart. I've through worse. <laughs> Politics, you know, I've been mean, through local government, which, uh, as you know, can be uh, quite combative. I, I, I uh, was leader of a national political party and in a national election campaign, which is a very unique, uh, punishing environment. I've, I, I've had everything said about me in a cabinet, and uh, some of it I, I find amusing. I, you know, on social media, the lefties have said so many times they're looking forward to my funeral that I'm starting to look forward to it. You know, it must be a wonderful <laughs> event, people would be wanting to see, they talk about compassion, but there they go to you know, wanting people to be to be dead, but they're a weird lot. There's nothing they can really say or do to me that has much of an impact. I oh, think, you know, and I, I admire your stance on, on things you believe in as well. It's a time for fighters, mm. not a time for cowards too scared of what they say about you on Twitter or anywhere else. It's a time for fighters to stand up for these common sense values, particularly in the protection of the interests of our children. And if you don't stand up, you're not much of a parliamentarian.
1: Yeah, no, good on you, Mark. Well, hopefully your stance will help stiffen the spine of others. I know it gives great hope to millions of Australians. Uh, Mark Latham, thanks for joining me on The Lyle Shelton Show.
0: A pleasure. Thanks, Lyle.
1: Well, now to something truly shocking. Ignoring the risk of lifelong infertility and reduced bone density, a Queensland judge has consigned a 12-year-old boy who wants to live as a girl to puberty-blocking drugs. I've said before that Australians were hoodwinked during the 2017 same-sex marriage debate because rainbow political activists were never going to stop with degendering marriage. They have their foot well and truly on the accelerator. Last week, news broke of a Queensland Supreme Court ruling uh, allowing the boy to be put on experimental and dangerous pupit- puberty-blocking drugs against the will of his father. Justice Anne Lyons' precedent-setting ruling was handed down on December 18 last year and refers to a 12-year-old boy who is shortly to turn 13. The court judgment, which you can read on my website at lyleshelton.com.au, makes no reference at all to the recent United Kingdom High Court uh, ruling uh, about the Tavistock Gender Clinic. And that was a ruling that said that children are in no position to provide informed consent when it comes to taking chemicals to block their natal development. But here in Queensland, Justice Lyon's ruling was handed down more than two and a half weeks after the Tavistock decision made international headlines. One would have thought that the Queensland Supreme Court and the media covering the ruling had access to Google. Surely they must have known about the Tavistock judgment. Some intellectual curiosity could have prevented a terrible mistake but at least ensured the public was better informed. The case against London's Tavistock Gender Clinic was brought by a 23-year-old woman, Kira Bell, who as a child was prescribed puberty blockers and later went on to have both healthy breasts removed. Bell, who came to bitterly regret her transition, was joined in the case by the mother of an autistic girl. The Queensland boy, referred to in Justice Lyons' judgement as A., is also autistic, a condition common to many children seeking to transition from their biological gender. Medical evidence of the harm puberty blockers uh, do was provided to the court in an affidavit from an endocrinologist referred to as Dr. C. She, Dr. C, notes that there was In fact, let me just read that. She, Dr. C, notes that there are some risks of suboptimal bone mineral accrual which improves on sensation of treatment and a risk of impaired fertility, as well as other side effects of low risk... uh, Sorry, other side effects of risk of low blood pressure and elevated blood potassium levels. However, Dr. C's evidence, while disturbing in its detailing of potential harm is in stark contrast to that heard by the UK High Court from British medical experts. Here's what the Daily Mail reported last week. Among the devastating statements heard by the British High Court that can now be divulged is one from Professor Christopher Gilberg, an expert in child and adolescent psychiatry, who believes prescribing drugs to delay puberty, a first step in gender treatment, is a scandal and tantamount to conducting a live experiment on vulnerable children The Daily Mail goes on In my years as a physician I cannot remember an issue of greater significance for the practice of medicine Professor Gilberg said We have left established evidence-based clinical practice and are using powerful life-altering medication for vulnerable group for a vulnerable group of adolescents and children based upon a belief In their statements Professor Gilberg and other leading medical experts revealed One, puberty-halting drugs can harm a patient's brain and bone development. Two, clinics are urging gender-changing teen girls to choose sperm donors to fertilize eggs before freezing them. Three, medics are failing to warn about the infertility risks posed by puberty blockers. Four, children who regret treatment find themselves locked into new bodies. And five, internet sites persuade autistic children they are transgender when they simply have identity issues. If only the Queensland Supreme Court had heard that evidence. But here in Queensland, the Labor government of Anastasia Palaszczuk recently made it illegal for health professionals to provide any treatment or counselling which does not affirm a child in their desire to change genders. In effect, Justice Lyons had no choice but to grant the mother of child A permission to override the father's wishes and ply him with experimental and harmful puberty blockers. The judgment indicates there are issues of family dysfunction, with the father and the son not having spoken since 2017, and that the father has an interstate criminal history. Nevertheless. An alarming precedent has been set for future cases where parents might disagree, and rightly disagree, on controversial gender treatments. Harrowing evidence of self-harm and mutilation in relation to the boy's genitalia was also referenced in the judgment. It's obviously a tragic case. But The the Weekend Australian um, also reported last weekend of another family's heart-rending ordeal with a child seeking to change gender. It's all seemingly part of a mainstream media campaign to normalise gender transition. One wonders if the children are ever told about the growing number of detransitioners like Kira Bell. Are parents ever told that we are in the grip of an unprecedented epidemic of children suffering gender confusion? The secret of gender clinic at Victoria's Uh, Royal Children's Hospital was compelled under freedom of information laws to reveal that the number of children presenting with gender confusion had skyrocketed by 1,700 percent between 2012 and 2019. If children were not taught at school and through popular culture the lie that gender is fluid, would they be less likely to threaten self-harm as part of their demands for blockers, cross-sex hormones, and in some cases irreversible surgery. This week's Queensland Supreme Court, Supreme Court ruling is a further advancement of the LGBTIQA plus political agenda and its associated harmful gender fluid ideology. Make no mistake, all of this flies under the totalitarian rainbow flag, the same flag that spooked Australians to vote to redefine marriage on pain of being labelled bigots. It will be interesting to see if Kira Bell type figures in Australia emerge in the future and take the gender clinics to court. Justice Lyons issued a suppression order banning the publication of the name of the gender clinic at which the Queensland child A is to be treated. The rainbow agenda for children thrives in secrecy, suppression of free speech and suppression of alternative treatment options. There should also be a reckoning For the politicians whose safe schools programs have enabled the gender confusion epidemic to spread amongst children like COVID-19, only with far more devastating consequences. (laughs) The cancel culture of the mainstream media is so toxic and vicious that common sense is now an endangered species. After the inexcusable violence at the US Capitol, Australian media jumped on the bandwagon and sought to demonise anyone who supported conservative politics, starting with the acting Prime Minister. Michael McCormick stuck to his guns all last week while he was filling in for Scott Morrison under immense pressure. Well done, Micmac. He received some welcome support from Queensland Senator Matt Canavan. I want to play you this clip from Channel 9's Today Show where Canavan gives a masterclass in standing up to woke journalists who seem incapable of critical thinking.
2: Uh, Moving on now to a disastrous 24 hours for acting Prime Minister Michael McCormack, the Nationals leader under fire after labelling unemployed Australians lounge lizards, undermining the Black Lives Matter movement and refusing to rein in or counsel backbenchers Craig Kelly and George Christensen for spouting coronavirus conspiracies. Matt, boy, oh boy, did he have a bad day. Are you comfortable with members of your team undermining health experts during a pandemic?
3: Well, I want to start by saying I, I agree with Michael McCormack on all those things. Uh, I, I think he had a great day because he spoke common sense. And, yep, you cop, you got criticism this country these days uh, for speaking common sense, uh, but it's common sense that we need people to get up off the couch, get back to work. The biggest complaint I hear from small businesses is they cannot find workers at the moment. Uh, and we need to end the uh, generous assistance and get back to work because that cannot continue. We can't keep tr- racking up a trillion dollars of debt every year. Uh, that is not sustainable. So Michael is right on that. Michael is right to condemn all types of violence and the and but the to Antifa undermine the Black, Black lives, lives Matter matters. movement
2: by saying all lives matter. Well,
3: absolutely. The Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement. Put aside the statement. Of course, Black Lives Matter matters matter. But the Black Lives Matter movement is a completely debased organisation in the United States have been responsible for untold amounts of damage, $2 billion. 95% of Massive the Black Lives Matter
2: protests were peaceful. You're saying you don't see a difference well, I'm sure, between what I, reckon, the I would say, hang on. and a siege yep. on the Capitol building in Washington?
3: I, I, I would, I, I from, uh, from early estimates, I reckon 90, 95% of those who went to the Trump rally last week, were peaceful as well. That doesn't mean that they should not be criticised like this movement, who have failed to rein in their own supporters. And violence continues in the US. The Portland Federal Courthouse this week was stormed, just like the US Capitol was, by Antifa groups. Uh, that's got to be called out, and Michael's right to do that. And likewise, also... finally... I'm I completely fine with my members of Parliament colleagues expressing different views... That's okay. It's okay. We're in a democracy. But what about when when a different view is a conspiracy
2: theory that undermines the health professionals that are leading us through a pandemic in this country?
3: Well, well, I don't think we should silence people. The worst thing you can do uh, to combat uh, conspiracy theories or wrong information is to try and silence them. Because when you do that, uh, it just feeds those, those conspiracy theories. It feeds, say, people then point it and say, look, we were right, we we're right, they're trying to silence us. And that's where I think Twitter and Facebook and social media here are making an enormous mistake uh, because this is not going to uh, silence uh, some of those fringe groups in the United States. In fact... It'll probably only build their political support if they try, to, if we try to suppress them in this way.
2: Well, you say to trust the experts. The prime minister says to trust the experts, but uh, it seems that not even some members of your own team
4: trust the experts. Sarah, what's your take on all of that? I think it's one thing to say that you shouldn't silence people, but it's another thing to, uh, as a leader, refuse to denounce them. Now, these are nonsensical ideas that are being uh, floated by some uh, members of parliament, and I think it's incumbent on the acting prime minister to call them out for the nonsense they are. It's actually very dangerous to have that. There's there's enough corners of the internet that are there to spread conspiracy theories and all sorts of nonsense. We can't have our elected officials, uh, you know... Uh, engaging in that sort of nonsense without at least their leader saying I I disagree with you and countering that with facts mm-hmm. and I think Matt look I understand that you probably whether your personal views on, on the subject that you don't want to condemn the acting Prime Minister on national TV but I, I don't see how you could argue that he hasn't shown some really poor judgement in the last week I mean this ridiculous false equivalency of, of, <laughs> of uh, equating Black Lives Matter with what happened at the Capitol last week is not the same. One was a violent protest contesting an an election. It was uh, contesting the peaceful transfer of power, which is a fundamental cornerstone of a democracy. The other is about a national or global reckoning. It's about overwhelmingly, as Sylvia said, peaceful protests that have sought to uh, condone uh, or or to to shine a light on police brutality, a very real issue. It's not made up that that is the truth of America. To, I think the two things
3: to, are very you've, separate. You, you've got to condemn political violence in all its forms, and that's the problem here. Black Lives Matter has been involved in politically violent action, and the fact that it hasn't been condemned widely enough over the last year, in my view, has helped in part, I say in part, lead to the events of last week, because people have normalised political violence in the US over the last year. They've, they've stood in front of burning buildings and said there's mostly peaceful protests People see that and think, well, if that's the case, if that's how we do politics now, why don't we do it as well? And we've got to condemn it all the times. And 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 the Black Lives Matter movement should be condemned for their roles in, in political violence over last year, mm-hmm. as should the Trump. Uh, rally last week as well we've we, seen
4: we've seen world leaders everywhere condemning what happened in washington last week i don't think it's too much to ask the acting prime minister of australia to do the same in unambiguous terms He did. we are
2: out of time i'm sorry to both of you we are out of time we've got to <laughs> leave it there and we didn't even get to michael mccormack's use of the term <laughs> contentious facts which pretty much summed up his performance yesterday Uh, in my personal opinion. Matt and Sarah, we appreciate your time. uh, It's a reflection of where we're at as a country right now. uh, And I think that sort of summarises how people are feeling right around the world as well. Thank you both for your time this morning. Have a great day.
1: Bravo, Matt Canavan. What is frightening is the disconnect between our media elites and reality. Have you ever been zucked? Last week, this meme was doing the rounds on Facebook. I just don't know why there are not uprisings all over the country. The Democrat Speaker of the US House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, is quoted as saying on the meme. The meme contains similar inflammatory quotes from Pelosi's compatriots on the political left in the US. Like many others, I shared this meme and it reached around 15,000 people on my Facebook page. The status on my post uh, with this image was, quote, Let's put next week's impeachment in context. I didn't accuse anyone of inciting violence. I simply posted a list of the quotes by leading figures of the left of politics in America. Thinking people know that the left made these comments against the backdrop of months of rioting, looting and city burning. Well, it wasn't long before I received this notification from Facebook. False information in a post shared on your page. I clicked through looking for information to try and understand why I had been censored. This is what Facebook told me. And I'll read it to you. Just bear with me. Social media posts shared after the storming of the US Capitol by followers of President Donald Trump combine images of prominent Democrats with pictures of burning buildings and quotes suggesting that the politicians previously incited unrest. But the full remarks which the quotes came from make clear that the Democrats were not calling for violence or vandalism. My post contained no images. It was simply a meme of quotes. There was no false information shared. It was all true. Now the last sentence from Facebook says, Democrats were not calling for violence or vandalism. But That's the point. Neither was Donald Trump. Yet the left, with the help of the tech billionaires Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey of Twitter, have colluded with the Democrats and the mainstream media to put forth one narrative. Trump incites domestic terrorism. Forget the context of Trump's remarks. Forget that he told his people at the rally on January 6th to march peacefully and patriotically to the Capitol. Zuckerberg, Dorsey, and the mainstream media are running a protection racket for the left's hypocrisy. We are at a dangerous point in our society where near-monopoly tech oligarchs can manipulate freedom of speech and the public discourse in this way. It's actually frightening. Free societies can't be free without free speech. Yes, Facebook and Twitter are private companies, I get that, but they are also monopolies that have built a business model off our reliance on them. Coalition MPs and senators such as George Christensen and Alex Antic are right to call for action to rein in the power of the tech tyrants. You won't hear Labor or the Greens supporting this because it suits them to have big tech shut down conservative voices. That means they don't have to do the heavy lifting of engaging in intellectual debate. Don't debate, demonize and cancel. That's how the left does it. I mentioned earlier in the show uh, the Tavistock judgment that was handed down by the UK High Court. Kira Bell, the 23-year-old woman who, who brought the successful action against the gender clinic after it put her on puberty blockers as a child and set her on a path towards having her breasts removed, has tweeted that Tavistock is appealing the judgment. This is what she said in her tweet. So the Tavistock have been granted an appeal. More in case updates. Our team is working hard behind the scenes and I'll be fighting this the whole way. Let's not block girls' development and put them on a path of destruction. These kids deserve so much better. Hear, hear, Kira. It never ceases to amaze me how hard the LGBTIQA political movement fights. It doesn't care how many children end up scarred and damaged. It has to perpetuate its ideology that gender is simply a social construct not based on biology and not based on science. The indoctrination starts with drag queen storytime in local libraries and continues throughout a child's schooling. Kids don't have a chance of knowing the truth until they wake up, like Kira did, with no breasts, realising they have been hoodwinked by a dangerous ideology. Well, that's all we have time for today. More content is available at lyleshelton.com.au and of course at goodsource.news. Thanks for being part of the information warfare that is necessary to push back on the false narrative being run through our mainstream media, our culture and our politics. Don't forget to get your tickets to the Church and State Summit coming up here in Brisbane in the last week of February. I hope to see you there. I want to thank Dave Pellow and his team at GoodSource for the production of this show. Don't forget to share the show on social media and to tell your friends. Until next week, goodbye and God bless.
0: The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.